Man, thank you, dude. That was awesome. Um, as you were up here, I just like saw like got a picture of David like on the on the on the hillside just playing before the Lord, and I was like really special. Where'd you go? Where is he? Thanks, man. That was awesome. That was like like super. So like sometimes you know like your soul you just feel like it just gets like cleaned out, All right? That was like that was that was good. Thank you. Hey, um, I'm so excited to uh, to get started this morning. Um, but before we do, does anyone remember my passcode? All right, got it. All right. No, but before we do, um, I just feel like there's somebody here either with us right now or watching on the live stream. Uh, you've been dealing with, like, uh, vertigo or, like, dizzy spells, um, stuff like that. So if you just uh, raise your hand and, and receive this right now, we're going to pray for you together. Uh, Father, in Jesus' name, we just uh, lift up this person to you, God, and we thank you that um, you reveal things because it's your intention to heal them, Lord, and we just pray now uh, the blood of Jesus over over this person, God, that you would uh, relieve the, the dizziness, God, that you would bring peace to their body and to their mind, and God, that you would um, do it all for your glory, and that uh, we just love you and we praise you, and we thank you that it's, uh, it's your desire to heal us even today, God, and we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so uh, if you'll open your Bibles to Matthew 28. We're going to get started. It says, uh, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we've been kind of uh, camping out in this passage for the last couple of weeks, talking about this, uh, this great commission that Jesus gave to us. We even have cool shirts that say, make the commission great again and all that stuff. Um, but as I was reading this, there was some stuff that just really kind of stuck out to me. And I want us to kind of look a little deeper this morning. There's a word in here, therefore. And I heard once that any time you hear or read the word therefore, you need to look and see what it's there for, right? That it's actually a word that you, we can kind of just pass over, but it's there to connect two ideas. We're not going to go through the whole conjunction, junction thing again, but it's there to, to pair these two ideas for us, okay? And so don't be so quick just to read past it and say, okay, go make disciples. Let's take a look and see what, what is there before the therefore. Verse 18 says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, go and make disciples because all authority has been given to me, and I'm with you always. So that's your backing. That's your reason to go do this. This is why you can go do this. I don't know about you, but it's very encouraging to me to know I don't have to try to go do this in my own ability, that I don't have to try to go make this happen out of my own wisdom or intellect, but that if I would just be willing to obey, that the Lord has already provided the power to make that happen. Isn't that good news this morning? See, we don't, we don't need the power of God to go sit on our couch and eat Cheetos this afternoon, okay? We might need it to stop eating the Cheetos, because like once you, once you start, Jamie's been on this thing, 
you know, as some of you probably know, my wife is pregnant, and so, like, Cheeto puffs have just become a revelation to her. And uh, like, she grew up, no junk food and stuff like that. Her mom was, like, didn't let her do that stuff. Uh, but she's into this thing with Cheetos, and, like, I know all about the power of Cheetos, and so I see them, and I just try to stay away. I'm trying to live a healthy lifestyle, but, y'all, they talk to me. So oh, we don't need the power of God to do that stuff, but maybe we do to stop. Um, we, don't need the, we don't need God's power to come here on a Sunday to sing some songs together and listen to a message and put some money in a bucket. We don't need God's power for that. We don't need God's power just to go, you know, live our ordinary life and live our normal routine. But what we do need his power for is when we decide to step outside of ourselves, when we decide to do something beyond our ability, beyond our comfort level, when we decide that it's more important to live a life surrendered and submitted to God than it is that we be comfortable and have everything uh, locked down and know all the answers. That's when we're living in that place, that's where we need God's power. And um, unfortunately, for most of us, myself included, um, discipleship is one of those hard things that we need God's power for. Some of you here, our pastor mainly, um, discipleship is almost like, it seems like it's like second nature. Like it's just something when you think of that person, like they live to serve other people. Um, me, not my gift. Uh, I'm Praise God. Help me, Lord. Um, and so we're all kind of in trouble this morning because no one's really exempt from this, right? If, if this has been a challenge for me, um, because even being in ministry for eight, ten years or whatever it's been now, I can honestly sit here and say I've not always done this to the best of my ability. And I think a lot of us could probably uh, agree on that and say the same thing. And so, um, you know, I think that it's important that we realize if we're going to take on something that's hard, that we need to know why we're doing it. What's our why? And uh, I got some quotes for you guys this morning from some people who are paid to be smart. Um, and they said this, this guy, first one's from an Eric Thomas, who's a, a preacher and a motivational speaker. He said, when you find your why, you find a way to make it happen. When you find your why, you'll find a way to make it happen. Laura Hodgson, she's a CEO and a educator, among other things, she said, I realized my passion was not in what I was doing, it was in the why. And then someone who didn't get quoted, so I'm going to call dibs on this, I don't know if I can, but dibs, uh, when, when your why is big enough, you will find your how. When your why is big enough, you'll find a way to make it happen, you'll find your how. And so the big question for us this morning is, what's our why? If discipleship is just Another thing that we're being told that we have to do, are we really going to do it? If it's just another command, another thing on the list that we're supposed to do as Christians, are we going to really stick to that and do that? Because I don't know about you, but I read a lot of stuff in the Bible that I'm still trying to live out daily in my life that I don't always do perfectly. And if our motivation in doing that is, well, it's our job as Christians, it's, it's what we're supposed to do, you know, then I don't know that that's really a strong enough motivator to make sure that we see this thing through. And so if we're, if we're trying to discover our why, I think that we need to, to look into this idea of discipleship a little bit more. And uh, so the first point this morning, y'all like, dang, we're already on the first point. Let's go. We're going to get out here quick. Uh, the first point this morning is discipleship is important. Discipleship is important. I think Jesus shows us this by the priority that he gives to it. Now, now remember, Jesus was a man who was 100% God, came to earth as a baby, lived life here on this planet as a man for 33 years, went to a cross, was crucified, right? He, he 
took back all power. He took back the keys from death, hell, and the grave. He rose again. He's on his way back to his throne, going to heaven, and he stops. And he says, hold up. I got I to have a powwow real quick with my guys over here. We gotta go. I got I to gotta go give them some instructions before I leave. How many of you guys have ever like, had to wait on somebody? Nobody's waited on anybody. I'm waiting on you right now to raise your hand. Yeah, it's, it's, not the, it's not the best. Like, usually when you're waiting on someone, it's because they prioritize something higher than you. And it's like, it's kind of like, like well, what the heck? What's going on? You know, I, the worst are like surprise parties. Um, like, surprise parties are great if you're the one being surprised. But if you're there waiting on this person, the guest of honor, to show up, it's like the worst. And like, there's this, there was this time I was thinking about this when I wrote that down. When I was in, in school, in Bible school, and my roommates were, like, going to be these great people and, like, throw me a surprise party. Cool. Um, problem is they didn't tell me, which is, you know, normal. But the bigger problem was they let me drive to my own surprise party, not knowing that I was supposed to be at this surprise party. So we got 40 people or whatever at this Fred Records, which when you're in college is, like, might as well be Vince Young's Steakhouse. Like, going there is, like, hey, that's a big deal. Uh, and so they're all waiting, you know, and... I'm going into, into Katy, which is part of Houston. Like, we would always do this on the weekends, so it was just another weekend for me. So I'm like, oh, they want to hang out with me for my birthday. That's sweet, cool. All right, so I don't ask them what we're going to do because it's my birthday. So I just drive to the movie theater. They don't say nothing. We go to the movie theater, not a word. Walk up to the ticket counter, not, not a peep. Get the tickets, pull out our wallet, going to buy a ticket to the movie. Now, if I'd have known, I'd be like, hey, guys, uh, no idea. I'm excited to see a movie. Uh, some alien movie with Nicolas Cage. I don't remember. It was terrible, though. But uh, so we buy a ticket, all right? Not a word. We go in. We get our concessions. We go sit down and find our seats. Not a peep. Two and a half hours later, these guys still have not said anything. Mind you, this whole time, half the student bodies at Fuddruckers waiting on Josh to get there. So we get out, and we're like, Oh, I'm hungry, so I start going, like, I'm going to go get something to eat. They start trying to, now they want to start kind of hinting, oh, hey, uh, you maybe go to Fuddruckers. Like, Fuddruckers sucks. I don't want to go there. It's my birthday. Go where I want to go. And so finally they talk me into it, and we get there, and we show up, and there's, like, these balloons that are, like, kind of like, you know, like when helium balloons have been hanging for a while, they're kind of like, do this thing. So these balloons are just hanging. There's, like, five people there and, like, all these half-eaten baskets of food everywhere. And I was like, Jesus came and fed the 5,000 again. Like, what happened? It's just, like, all these leftovers. And, uh, and they're like, surprise. Right? Well, I don't blame them. They've been waiting there for two and a half hours for me to show up. And these guys have decided that, you know, it wasn't important enough to let me know what was going on. They just let me go see a movie. So can you imagine, like, being in that position where you're, like, sitting there waiting around on somebody? Jesus has all of heaven on pause. He's like, hey, I know we've been waiting for this. Like, this big moment just happened. Like, this, this uh, climax of God's eternal plan has just taken place. I've risen again. Hold on and wait a second. This is really important to me. I got to go have a conversation about discipleship. Jesus, before he ascend, stopped to send. Before he would ascend, he stopped to send. Because it's that important to him that these people that he had walked with and trained for these last three years would continue his pro- this process after he was gone. But, like, if it's us and we hear the word discipleship, it's like, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. All of heaven was waiting on Jesus. All of heaven. And he paused that. And what we got going on is too important. And look, I'm not telling you, like, you guys need to do a better job at discipleship. I'm like, you need to do a better job at discipleship. Because I feel this, um, I think, more than what I'm trying to tell you guys. Um, the, the Lord's working on me as well. So discipleship is important. 
Number two, discipleship is simple. It's simple. You said it was hard. It is hard. I didn't say it's easy, but it's simple. It's, it, I think that we need to have a better understanding of what it is that we're actually talking about when we, we talk about discipleship. I think that we've kind of given ourselves a pass because we don't really have a grasp on what, on what discipleship means. You know, I, talk, I get in these conversations sometimes with people about, like, different translations of the Bible. And, uh, you know, if, if you read, like, you know, I, I've tried to read the Bible for a good chunk of my life. I used to read it to go to sleep when I was younger. It bored me, and so I would read it, and I would literally fall asleep. Uh, but I've read it for a good chunk of my life. And, you know, it wasn't until I started reading a translation that I understood that it actually started, like, impacting my life, which is kind of the point of reading the Bible. Like, we don't just have this book just to check something off our list and to say, okay, well, I did my duty for the day. I'm, I'm a Christian now, so, you know, yay, on to the next day. Right? We Actually, the purpose of reading this book is to allow it to transform your life. And if you don't understand what you're reading, how will it do that? And so we can get away with it for a long time. When, when I was reading, you know, translations, and it would be like, it'd be like uh, thee, thou, this, that. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Just keep reading. I'm like, okay, well, don't got to do that. Uh, just keep reading like, yeah, okay, well, I ain't got to do that. You know, just keep, like, keep going. We, we need to have a grasp and understanding of what we're saying. And listen, if you read the King James, awesome. Praise God. If you read the NASB, cool. ESV, NLT, ABC, whatever you read, like, awesome. Praise God. But if you're using words like lit and dope, and you ain't talking about doing drugs, then King James probably isn't, it's probably not free. Like, you need to understand what it is that you're reading. And so it's, e- it's really easy to look at a thing like discipleship and say, eh, if we, if we don't take the time to understand what it is we're talking about. Because once we understand, then we have a decision to obey or disobey. So if you don't want to hear this, you better leave right now because you're about to be faced with an option to obey or disobey. Because this was so important to our king, to our savior, that remember, he stopped everything to put this out before him. Locked and safe. Look, look at that. That's how you know it. That's the truth alarm going off. They're like, whoop, whoop. you can take that to the bank. That's truth. All right. So uh, I think that, uh, I think like, and, and I, I say this because for myself, this was the past I always gave myself. Well, what is discipleship anyways? What is, like we're playing Jeopardy. What is discipleship? Uh, it's, you know, I think that we need to understand that it doesn't have to be this like training program. It doesn't have to be like this planned out curriculum or this like elaborate schedule that you've laid out. It's as simple as inviting someone into your life. That's what, exactly what Jesus did. Let's look at Mark chapter 1 verse 16 says, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing. Simon and Andrew, he watched them as they were casting their nets into the sea and said to them, come follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people instead of fish. Immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind to follow Jesus. Walking a little further, Jesus found two other brothers sitting in a boat along with their father mending their nets. Their names were Jacob and John or James. And their uh, father, Zebedee, Jesus was immediate, immediately walked their father is Zebedee. Okay, whatever. There's a little V in there, and it threw me off. I don't know what that is. All right, it was a, it's a little footnote. Sorry. Jesus immediately walked up to them and invited the two brothers to become his followers. At once, Jacob, or James, and John dropped their nets, stood up, left their father in the boat with the hired men, and followed Jesus. Okay, so first let's look at verse 16, and we need to understand this if we're trying to understand what discipleship is and what it looks like. It says, as Jesus was walking along the shore... He noticed two brothers. 
Discipleship begins with a notice. Discipleship begins with a notice. The Holy Spirit will highlight people in your lives that are there for you to reach out to, are there for you to bring along with you to disciple. I stand here today as a product of discipleship, a product of people that were willing to invest in my life and take the time to make me a better man, a better father, a better husband, communicator, whatever, and are still doing so today. But it's our responsibility not to just take that, but then to turn around and see who we can help. So be on the lookout because the Holy Spirit will actually highlight those people in your life. And you can ignore it and fight it for as long as you want and be like, oh, what's your plan for my life? Show me, show me. You're going to keep seeing that person's face. And I encourage you to have the courage to just kind of get outside yourself and just reach out to them. Again, you don't have to be like, come memorize this entire Bible. I, I was in front of uh, Jana and, and her family this morning, and I heard, I heard the, the whole row of little, little baby kids. They can barely see above the chairs. And I just heard them just worshiping Jesus. And I was just like, whoa. Now, I don't know. Jana and I didn't talk about this, but I doubt that Jana had this, like, long, elaborate. Like, she didn't send them to, like, worship school and, like, said, all right, this is the plan and this is what you're going to do. I'm pretty sure if you live a life of worship that your children will grow up to worship God. And so it, it doesn't have to be this big intimidating thing that we're talking about. So let's notice the people around us and make a decision to reach out. That's the second thing. Discipleship is a decision. Discipleship is a decision. Verse 18 says, immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind to follow Jesus. It's a decision on part of the person that's uh, extending the invitation, the initiator, and also the person responding. So we make the decision to get kind of outside of ourselves. We want to be like Jesus, so we're going to invite people into our lives. They also have to make the decision to follow you, to leave behind. Listen, you don't want to waste your time on someone that you can't, you can't force someone to be your disciple. Okay, that's called a cult. You can't do that. Um, you can't like be like, follow me or else. You know, like you extend an invitation and then they decide to follow your life or not. But you, you don't want to, um, there are so many people in this world that need help that we don't really have the time to drag people along. Jesus didn't drag these disciples, right? They left everything and followed him. It's a decision that we make. Discipleship is following, okay? Discipleship is following. At, at this passage that we just read about what Jesus is calling these guys, right? So they're, here they are. They lay down their nets. They follow Jesus. They still probably smell like fish. They stink. They got fish nets like all over their feet, not stockings, but like, just like literal fish nets. And they're like walking and they're following Jesus. And here they go. And then we walk into verse 21, and it says, Then Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and he immediately started teaching on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. So here we have Jesus just continuing in his ministry. He's unfolding, you know, th this purpose for him being here on the, on the earth, and, and he's walking in, in this power and doing all these things. And what have these dudes accomplished, these disciples of his? Had they, had they preached yet? Had they laid hands on people? Had they seen the dead come back to life? Had they... They hadn't done anything but made a decision, and already the Bible refers to them as his disciples. Because discipleship is not accomplishing or achieving. Discipleship is following. Disciple is not a status that you attain. It's a decision that you make. It's not something that we're trying to achieve or some goal that we're trying to get everything together and get it all perfect before we become. It's just making a decision to step out and to follow. And that's encouraging to us, because if we're being told to make disciples, then we know that we don't have to have it all together before we do that. It's just this. It's, it's living a life that's surrendered and submitted to God, and then taking the time to look around and find somebody and invite them to follow you on your journey. That's discipleship. I think 
um, we, we can just overcomplicate it so much. But in order to do this, we have to live a life worth following. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Uh, in the ESV, it says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And uh, the Passion Translation says, I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern mine after Christ. Now, this would be pretty intimidating um, if it wasn't for the second part. You're not saying, come follow me, live life like me. We're not raising up disciples in our image. We're not saying, hey, uh, I've got it all figured out, so do life just like me and you'll be okay. No, he says, hey, I'm following this man named Jesus. I'm trying to become more like him. I'm allowing him to work in my life. And I've kind of already carved out this little path. Uh, Why don't you come with me? Why don't you learn from my mistakes? Why don't you learn from my struggles and share in my victories so that you can go a little bit further than I did? And that's exactly what we're talking about here. He's saying, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think that we need to understand that this is a call to action. We don't have time to wait around and to get our lives perfect and in order. Because if we're waiting for that, we'll never make disciples. If we're waiting until, you know, everything looks good through the glass house, we're never going to do it. One of the most freeing things I, I heard recently was just this idea that you can invite someone into your life just the way it is. Because that's where authenticity, like, speaks. Like, people can see through everything. I've read in the same book, they talked about um, young people today. And they're like, young people today aren't reading the Bible. They're reading Christians. And I think a lot of times, um, if, if we're trying to attain and, and put off this image and wear this mask and say this is what it looks like to follow Jesus, that we can't even hold ourselves. There's, it's no wonder no one wants to follow. But if we're able to look around and say, I don't have it all together. I know the one who does, though, and he's making me more like him each day. Why don't you just come along the journey? Because we're not look, we don't need help faking. We don't need help pretending. We're very good at that. We need, we need people to show us how to deal with those things, how to overcome those things, how to, how to get past the setbacks and, and the speed bumps that we face in life. So just walk after Jesus and take someone with you. Nobody here is exempt from this. There's over 7 billion people on this planet. You're smarter than at least one of them. Okay? I promise, I guarantee you are not the dumbest person on this planet. If you think you are, come talk to me afterwards. You're not. Okay, I promise you're not. Discipleship is not just helping someone memorize the Bible. Okay, some of you guys in here are God's gift to parenting. I mean, Jamie and I have been trying to hang out uh, more with, we realize that we're not so cool anymore, so we're trying to hang out with some parents, some young parents, hip parents, teach us some, some of the ways, and it's funny, because we'll go, like, sit down to have dinner, and, uh, and, like, they're just so cool and calm and collected, and the kids are being crazy, and we're just there freaking out, hoping our kid doesn't, like, completely embarrass us, and we're like, oh my God, how do you do this? But they have some things figured out. They've, they've discovered some stuff along the way that we're like, oh my God, I don't know. So some of you guys have that gift. Some of you guys have learned some stuff. You know, some of you, um, have been married longer than I've been alive. There are young married couples in this church and your community all around us that need that wisdom, that need that help. Some of you sitting here have won some really hard battles against stuff like self-worth and value and self-image and those kinds of things. And there's a generation crying out, looking for that in all the wrong places. So why not share your victories? Why not share your experience and your wisdom? There's there's sons and daughters all over that are looking for, for fathers and for mothers and people that will 
reach out and show them and train them how to be a, a man and how to be a woman, how to be a father and a mother, how to be something that they never got to see. Teach someone how to fix a car, how to mow a lawn. I'm out here watching YouTube videos on how to grill because nobody ever showed me. But I caught a full revelation. I'll let you know. The Lord has really blessed my, uh, my grilling efforts, and, and we're happy. But it's through, these, it's through these sharing these ordinary parts of our lives that we can magnify Jesus the most. Because as you're living a life after him and you're trying to become more like Jesus, and then you're inviting someone just to follow you in your everyday life, that'll start to, to leak. It'll start to ooze out of you, and people will start to pick up on that. And, and they're going to be a lot more receptive to receive it maybe in a setting where you're fixing a truck or you're talking, you know, talking about this or that than maybe sitting down and just saying, you need to do this more. You need to be more like Jesus. You need to do, do, do. If you're just living life in an authentic way after Jesus, then inviting people into that normal life, the things that we think are mundane and ordinary, are actually going to be transforming in the lives of the people around us, the people that we decide to bring with us. So discipleship is simple. It's important, it's simple, and then three, discipleship changes lives. Discipleship changes lives. Again, I told you that um, I am where I am today because somebody decided that it was important to take the Great Commission seriously. Somebody decided that it was worth their own preferences, their own time, their own whatever resources to invest in my life. And so, uh, in Acts chapter 3, we're going to read about some of Jesus' disciples. It says, one afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for three o'clock prayer. And as they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth. And we can just read past that, but you know where they learned that from? They learned that from walking with Jesus. They saw this man moved with compassion that would reach out to the people that were broken and hurting around them. They were captured by the sight of this man, crippled from birth, carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money silver and gold have i not but i'll give you this by the power of the name of jesus christ of nazareth stand up and walk peter held out his right hand to the crippled man and as he pulled the man to his feet suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles the man jumped up stood there for a moment stunned and then began to walk around as he went into the temple courts with peter and john he leapt for joy and shouted praises to god When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. So the story goes on, and uh, Peter and John are actually arrested because the religious leaders of their time, this was not their favorite thing to happen. Um, If stuff would happen that they had not sanctioned or ordained, then uh, it was not okay. So they get thrown in prison for healing this man. Um, they are there overnight, and then this council starts to gather of all these religious leaders and political leaders and people with influence all over, and they come together, and they, they're going to bring Peter and John on trial, or they're going to make a show of these guys. And uh, who do they think they are? 
We're going to put them in their place. And so uh, we pick up again in, in Acts chapter 4. Um, it says, The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, and elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others who were members of the high priest's family. They made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, Tell us, by what power and authority have you done these things? I always imagine being like, Tell us, by what power? You know, like just real arrogant and all that stuff. Says, well, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, Respected elders and leaders, listen, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well, then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today, completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. Council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. So here we are, we have this setting where these guys with all this influence and and power bring these two clowns who are out causing a, a stir and, and they had this confrontation with them. And here they are. And the Bible says they start to realize, oh, these were those guys that were with Jesus. And they start to see the effect that Jesus had on them. We actually see in, in Mark chapter 3, we see the, the moment where Jesus made this decision to bring these guys along with him. See, the crowds had been kind of gathering around him. And it says, um, says, the crowd pressed so closely to Jesus that he instructed his disciples to bring him a small boat. So he goes on to, to teach, and it says, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. So they went up the mountainside to join him. He appointed the 12 whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends, and so that he could send them out to preach and have authority and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So Fast forward back to our, our courtroom here. We have Peter and John, and they're surrounded by all these people with more titles and more experience and more certificates and more educate all this stuff, more wisdom. These guys have the, the deck stacked against Peter and John here. But all of a sudden, this argument that they're having, this exchange, is starting to turn sideways, and they're starting to lose. And they're like, how is this going on? How is this happening? Well, don't forget what Jesus told these guys when he left. He said, go make disciples. But before he said that, he said, all authority and all power has been given to me, and I will always be with you. So go. Here in this courtroom, in this place, the power of God is being put on display because some people decided to obey Jesus' great commission. Some people decided to take him at his word and to do what he commanded. And because of that, God is being glorified. See, yeah. As we've kind of talked about this, I've, I've given us just a few reasons why discipleship is important. And I kind of constructed it like a little bit like on our, our human nature. Like, and I just wanted to kind of manipulate it a little bit, maybe say, like, well, how dare you? But I could sit here and I could tell you 
that it's important. I could try to guilt you into it. And I could say, you should do this because it's important. But that's not really a very good why. I could, um, I could maybe play on greed a little bit. I could say, well, you know, it's simple. Because, you know, a lot of times we want to know what's in this for me. What's it going to cost me? How can I do as little as possible and get by without having to expend too much energy, too much time, too much of my own resources? But that's not a very good why either. So it's not about guilt or, or greed, but it's really about his glory. If we will take the time to make disciples, then we'll see the glory of God put on display all around us. That is our why. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with them. Verse 14, standing there with them. That's a miracle. Standing there with them was the healed man. And there was nothing further they could say. What was this guy's story? What would he go on to say? What would, what would, how many people would hear from him about this man named Jesus that he had never met? See, discipleship, it's for the cripples who are going to stand long after you're gone. That's what discipleship is about. Jesus and this crippled man had never met face to face. But because Jesus poured his life into these guys and he showed them what it looked like. And then he told them the importance of continuing this work. And they took him at, at his word and they did what he said. Someone's life was forever changed. He was a walking miracle. He stood in that courtroom where he never would have had access to with the, the power and the ability that he had not had his whole life because somebody decided to follow Jesus. And somebody decided not just to stop there, but to go on and continue the process. Our why is not what's in it for us. Our why is not how easy or how important is this. It's not to trip, guilt trip us in, into being motivated enough to do this. Our why is that Jesus would be glorified. Our why is that we would make disciples so that this continued work would go on from generation to generation to generation. Look, as we take on Jesus' mission, we'll see the fruit of his ministry all around us. As we are intentional about doing what he told us to do, because, guys, this was not a suggestion. This was not like a, if you feel like it, this was a command. This was a commission. This was something that, the thing about commissions is when you're commissioned to do something, you're not sent out and said, oh, good luck. When you're commissioned to do something, you're, you are equipped to do it. You are funded to do it. You have the backing of whoever is sending you. And Jesus said, I have all power and all authority, and I'm coming with you. So go. So we have to be really intentional about this because being a Christian can get real boring if you just settle down somewhere and you find somewhere safe and comfortable. Because that's not the way it's meant, life is meant to be lived. As we follow Jesus, we need to follow him into unknown places. We need to follow him into places of sacrifice. Because that's the thing. We're talking about discipleship. This is not just another ask that the church is making. This is not just us saying, find another way to spend more time. Find another way to give more energy. Find another way to, to share more of your resources. That's not. This is the work and the purpose of the kingdom. This is what it's all about. And if, if, if living the Christian life has become boring to you, then I'd say you're probably just looking at what's in it for you. And I've found, you know, just recently in dealing with this myself, that as I've reached out and I've not had all the answers, but I've just tried to help people that the Lord has put on my heart get where at least I've been, 
that he starts to open new things for me, that he starts to take me into new and more exciting places. And this is our why. It's, it's for the glory of God. It's, it's for the people who are going to benefit from it down the road. But it's not something, you know, that we can just will ourselves into. It's not something that we can just say, all right, I'm going to do this. Because I'm going to be honest, it's inconvenient. It's costly. There's something that comes with this. But Jesus set the ultimate example in living a life of inconvenience, a costly life. He actually laid it down for us. And so if we want to see Jesus glorified in our communities, in our families, all around us, then we've got to be willing to do what he did. And so um, we're going we're gonna to close out today. We're going to um, have some people come up and, and pray with you guys. If, if you have, like, other things going on that you want someone to agree with you for. But, um, but you know, this discipleship thing is it's something that we just need the, the grace of God for. I think most of us would say that. Um, and so I want us to pray together this morning for that. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for all that he did for us, for the pattern that he laid out for us. And we pray, Lord, that, that you would help us to see that you are always with us, that you go with us as we do this, and that you would actually give us the grace and, and the power to keep your commands, to do what you've asked us to do. God, help us to, to really um, see what you're doing in and around us. Highlight those people in our hearts. God, give us a desire to make disciples. Make the commission great again in our hearts, God. And we just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, for all that you're unfolding, for your mercies that are new every morning. God, and we just, we, we repent this morning for not being intentional about making disciples. We pray that you would change our hearts and that you would give us the hunger and the passion to see lives changed for your glory. In Jesus' name.